Ever since I've had a dollar to save, I have closely watched the investment strategy of Warren Buffett. When you look at the returns of Berkshire Hathaway over the years, it really is remarkable to see what he's been able to accomplish with that portfolio. But do you know the name Charlie Munger? Well, Charlie is the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. And anytime that you hear Warren Buffett talk about the success that they've had, he always credits the back and forth that he's had with Charlie as they've thought about navigating the business landscape and making investment decisions. And you know, it's not just Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. There are lots of examples in history where partnerships allowed people to speak into each other's lives in a way that allowed them to accomplish more than they would have if they had done it on their own. So we've been taking a look at how small steps on the long runway of God's purpose can allow us to be able to accomplish things for his glory. And if you think about the four forces that we've been considering that shape our leadership story, availability, action, adaptability, and now accountability, we're starting to see that if we are wise about bringing together people and perspectives that will allow us to be able to think differently about our leadership story, we can do things that truly are unlikely. So we are going back to the scriptures to find another example where we see accountability in action. And I've got to tell you that there is a relationship in the Old Testament that stood out to me in such an interesting way. It's the, it's the relationship of King David and Nathan. Nathan was a prophet that served during King David's rule, and we have three interactions with him that are depicted in the Bible. And I want to look at all three of those interactions as a way for us to think about how we create an accountability structure of our own that will allow us to be more effective in our unlikely leadership stories. Now, when I talk about accountability, I've got to tell you that throughout my life, when I've talked about accountability partners, I think I've had a very narrow definition of it. When I thought about accountability partners, it would be someone who I could sit across with and we tick through a list of sins or a list of things that we shouldn't be doing. And we were going to make sure that we were holding each other accountable to not fall into that temptation or not to fall into that sin. But I think that if we only use that lens to think about this notion of accountability, we miss out on the benefits of accountability in a way that could really make a difference. And so as we look at Nathan and King David, I hope that we can see three ways that accountability can serve us better as leaders. One, accountability can help shape our dreams. Secondly, accountability speaks the truth. And finally, accountability stands loyally. So let's jump into each of those and first look at this notion that accountability shapes our dreams. So David, after he had become king, had a desire to think about building a temple for God. And in the first interaction in the Bible where we see him interacting with Nathan in um, 2 Samuel 7, we see David give this notion of what the dream could look like. In 2 Samuel 7, Verse 1, it says, After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. So one of the things that Nathan does as he helps shape the dreams of the king is he encourages the idea. And I just want to ask you, 
Do you have people in your life that you can sit around with and say, these are the nudgings that God has put in my heart. These are the plans that I feel like God is giving me. And they encourage you to take the time to really flush out the idea and think about the idea's validity. Nathan heard what David had to say, and he came back with an affirmative answer. But what I love about this is that Nathan didn't just stop there. He didn't just say, yes, that's a good idea. He stepped back, and in the following verses, what we see is that the word of the Lord came to him in a way that more concretely shaped what the idea looked like. If we keep reading, in verse 4, it says, But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan. And if you scroll down through everything that the word of the Lord said, I want to focus on what we see in verse 11. Because it says, The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So David had a dream to build the temple. Nathan comes back and says, that's a good idea. But after hearing the word of the Lord, he comes back to David and he said, David, actually your role is to lay the groundwork for the temple, but your son Solomon is the one who will actually construct it. And what I appreciate about the way that this story unfolds is that if we have people in our life who don't simply give us the applause when we need it, give us the high five about that's a great idea, but will sit down with us and really help us work what a plan looks like, I feel like we have the ability to take the nudgings and the ideas that God gives us and make them even better. What I appreciate about this is that Nathan's word, back to David, was grounded in what God had told him. He wasn't just saying, this is my idea, or this is something that could make um, the, the idea for the temple better. Rather, he came back and gave specific words from God that helped David know what would happen. And that's why when I think about making sure that we have relationships in our lives that will help us shape our dreams, it's so important that we have godly people who are, one, listening to Scripture— Secondly, they're listening to the Lord through prayer. And thirdly, they're evaluating the circumstances through a lens that God would use. So I've just got to ask you, when you have those big ideas, when you have those big dreams, who are the people that you sit down with and say, help me shape the idea? Help me think about the lens that I should use to be able to process the idea and then be able to act on it. Are they bringing you perspectives, not just from what they see in the economy or what they see in our community, but are they bringing you perspectives that are rooted in the foundation of God's word and they're rooted in the foundation of what they're hearing from God in prayer? Those are the kinds of accountability relationships that can not only shape ideas that are successful in the short term, but they can help shape ideas that have a lasting impact and glorify God. So accountability is a way for us to have people in our lives that shape ideas. But what we also should be able to lean on as we think about accountability is having people in our lives that will speak the truth. Now, I've got to tell you, the example of the relationship between Nathan and David that I was most familiar with was the one that we're going to look at next. When Nathan comes to David after he slept with Bathsheba, he's had Uriah killed, and Nathan comes to confront the king about his behavior. Hearing truth is hard. 
And when we fall into sin or when we do things that are wrong, it is very easy for us to want to surround ourselves with people that will comfort us and that might make the consequences of that sin seem less severe. But what I appreciate about the interaction between Nathan and King David is that he didn't do that. He spoke the truth in a way that brought repentance. And I want to look at how he did that. So let's look at how Nathan did that in 2 Samuel 12. Because when accountability speaks truth, I think the first thing that it does is it connects. Nathan goes to King David with the story of a rich man, a poor man, and a lamb. And he talks about how the rich man stole the lamb from a poor man, and it incites the anger of the king. Now, what's interesting to me about this approach is that Nathan knew that King David would resonate with that story. He'd resonate with it because he had been a shepherd. And Nathan had already laid the groundwork and knew enough about his history and his life to be able to have permission to speak into it. So the first thing that he did is he connected. But then what I appreciate is that when Nathan had the opportunity to speak truth, he did it clearly. He cut to the chase. So let's look at how Nathan does this by going to 2 Samuel 12 verse 7. Nathan says to the king, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house, because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Nathan didn't pull any punches. He was clear. He didn't try to soft pedal the accusation. He didn't try to dance around what David had done. He clearly went to the king and laid out what had happened. And that was a risk. I mean, David was the king of Israel, but Nathan was willing to speak clearly the truth into his life. And, you know, I think about the times in my life when people have had to point out things that I needed to get back on the path and correct. I appreciate it that when they do it, they come and directly tell me what needs to be dealt with. There isn't um, a series of hypotheticals. There's not a series of things that make me have to guess what I need to be doing to get right with God. Well, first of all, I usually already know I need to deal with it, but they do it in a way that is clear and that is compelling. So when accountability speaks truth, it connects, it's clear, but ultimately it has to convict. There has to be a change. In verse 13, it says that David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. David didn't try to explain it away. David didn't go back and forth with a lot of questioning about, well, do you really mean this? Or do you really think that that's the case? He just heard what Nathan said, and he admitted that he was wrong. And when we do a good job of speaking truth into each other's lives, it's so clear, it connects so well, that it can't help but bring about change. So do you have people in your life that are going to call you on the carpet and have that kind of conversation with you? You know, for me, it's oftentimes my wife. For me, it's oftentimes my parents. Um, I'm so grateful that they are willing to do that. 
but I'm also grateful for the people who I'm not as close with day in and day out. But if they see things in my life where I can do better, when they see things in my life where I need to get back on track with God, they're willing to do that. So ask yourself, who are those people that can do that for you? And then conversely, who are those people who you need to intervene in their story in a way where accountability can speak truth? So accountability shapes dreams and accountability speaks truth, but ultimately accountability stands loyally. And when I think about the most meaningful accountability relationships in my life, they are the long-standing, long-lasting ones where I never have to ask whether that person has my back or not. And when we see the third and final interaction between Nathan and King David, it is really a sweet interaction because it shows to me that deep, deep loyalty that Nathan had for him. Um, when we see it, it's in 1 Kings 1. Nathan is old. It says that he's cold under his bed and the wheels are already turning for the succession of the king. And a coup is basically unhatched where Adonijah, one of King David's other sons, starts to set himself up as king. But it had been clear from the testimony of Nathan that Solomon would not only be king, but he would be the king who would build the temple. And so as this coup is unhatched, we find Nathan start to intervene in this story in a way that shows how he stands loyally. So if we go to 1 Kings 1, verse 11, Then Nathan asked Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king? And our Lord David knows nothing about it. Now then, let me advise you how you can save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. So Nathan hears what's going on. He hears about this plot that Adonijah has hatched, and he goes to Bathsheba, and he says, have you heard? And so accountability relationships here, they listen for ways to protect the other person in the relationship. And so I have to ask you, as you think about those people that you're in relationship with, do you have your ear open for the things that could affect their leadership story? Or do you have your ear open only in a way that kind of fills your need to know information or hear gossip about them? It's really important that when we stand loyally for someone, that we keep our ear to the ground about the things that could hurt their reputation or could hurt their leadership story, but that we're listening for ways to protect that person to make sure that we have his or her back. So Nathan, in standing loyally, heard, but he didn't just stop there. He didn't just hear it. He didn't just ruminate on it. He didn't just think about it. He helped. We see how he went to Bathsheba in those verses, and then he actually goes to his friend, King David. And in verse 27, he says, Is this something my Lord the King has done without letting his servants know who should sit on the throne of my Lord the King after him? You know, he goes back to David and he says, I want to make sure that we're aligned here. I want to make sure that I understand what's going on. And then when David tells him that, no, Solomon is meant to be king, Nathan helps be a part of the plan that ultimately um, had the people who were following Adonijah go away and ultimately made that clear affirmation that Solomon was going to be the king. It was through those actions that Nathan showed that ultimate loyalty to his friend, King David. He stood by him. 
He stood by him in a way that, again, if Adonijah had become king, Nathan would have probably been banished or put to death. But he did it in a way that put the ultimate premium on that relationship. That was true loyalty. And when I think about my own life, I want friends in my life who are going to be loyal like that. And I, in turn, need to be loyal to them. It means standing by them, not only when you hear that things might be going badly in their life, but it means intervening in their lives, helping in their lives in a way that allows them to say, I'm here with you. I'm going to stand by you, even when things are tough, so that I can help you fulfill what God has planned in your life. Accountability is not about sitting down with someone and ticking through a list of what that person has done wrong or what that person needs to do. Those are helpful things to make sure that we keep each other on track. But oh, if we miss the chance to truly find a way to build a deeper relationship of accountability, I think we miss out on the chance to be able to create long-lasting relationships that help each other on our leadership story. So think about it. Are you finding the time to intervene in someone's life where you can hold them accountable by helping to shape their dreams? Are you helping them take those nudges and those ideas and using a lens of scripture and prayer to be able to think differently about how they might act on those dreams? You know, I think about my own children and the stage of life that they're in right now where they're thinking about all kinds of things that are interesting to them and things they want to pursue. And oftentimes I'm realizing that what I need to do is just to listen to them for a while, to hear what God is placing on their heart, and then really intervene in a way that helps them shape practically what it could look like if they were going to act on those things that he's trying to teach them and tell them to do. Are you speaking truth in people's lives? Who are those that you are close enough to that when they fall off the path, when they find themselves in sin, that you have the ability to sit down with them and connect with them in a clear way that brings conviction so that they not only think about the issue that you raise, but that they're willing to turn around and get right with God. And then finally, when you look at your relationships, are they marked by standing loyally with each other? Are they long-term relationships where you've gone through some bad times together, where you've gone through periods of success together, but that person ultimately knows that you've got their back? And when you do that, it creates this circle of accountability. It's a circle that allows you to be able to continue to build trust with each other, to shape even bigger dreams in each other's lives, to speak truth more often so that you can keep short accounts with each other and with God. And that circle, as it goes on, I think strengthens our leadership stories so that we are more available to him, so that we can act more quickly when we have the opportunity, and that we can constantly adapt the way that we lead so that we can make sure that our leadership stories are ones that take advantage of what God gives us and allows us to act. So think about where we've been. We've looked at four forces, availability, action, adaptability, and accountability that shape our own leadership story. But here's the great part about the accountability piece. If we get that right, we not only have a way to bolster our own leadership story, but we have the joy and the satisfaction and frankly, the fun of being able to speak into another person's leadership story and help mold it. 
That's how we build up a community of leaders. That's how we build up a group of people in our lives that are marching in step with God's purpose. Now, we're marching in different directions and we're working on different things that God puts in our lives, but we're doing it in a way where we've got each other's back and we get the joy of watching each other succeed and find ways to bring him glory. That's the power of accountability.